reach a point in your life where you say to yourself, this is the best I'm ever gonna look, the best I'm ever gonna feel, the best I'm ever gonna do, and it ain't that great? Happy birthday. For Mitch Robbins, turning 39 wasn't the end of the world. It just felt like it. I'm losing hair where I want hair, and I'm getting hair where they shouldn't be here. I found four big fat ones on my back. I'm starting to look like the fly. He couldn't put his finger on what was missing. Show him the brochure. It's fantastic. But his friends could. Two weeks, the three of us. Driving cattle. What, like in a truck? No, it's a real old-fashioned cattle drive. Go away with Ed. Take Phil. Go and find your smile. Welcome to the Stone Ranch. Believe it or not, that work you saw a while ago, y'all are gonna be doing that the next two weeks. My ass hurts just watching this. What do you think? I think you look like one of the village people. I'll pay for that shirt, too. That is the toughest man I've ever seen in my life. Did you see how leathery he was? He was like a saddlebag with eyes. Hi, Curly. Kill anyone today? Staying over yet. <sighs> Arnold, uh, I'm losing you. We're, yeah. we're going behind a butte, and Arnold... I got a special treat. We're gonna make fresh coffee. Wow, something's spooking the cattle. Stampede! City folk. The scout's having a baby. Reach in and pull out the calf. You know, this was not in the brochure. This summer... Billy Crystal. Look what I did. I made a cow. Daniel Stern. I lost my wife. I lost my job. And they've got some sort of rash for making in the bushes. And Bruno Kirby. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. Oh, God. Hit the trail. You know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? Just one thing. What's the one thing? That's what you gotta figure out. Let's just leave the herd and get the hell out of here, huh? A cowboy Sometimes you have to get your feet wet. God, I don't like this! To sit a little taller in the saddle. I'm 39, I'm saying moo cow in a river! Do you believe this? <laughs> Came out of your city slickers. You're gonna go home, cowboys. City slickers. I'm on vacation! Aaron Whitlow. Brandon Spavi here. And we are the Markout Movie Podcasters. Brandon, tell the lovely people what we're doing today. Well, today we're going to be doing a, a little review of a 1991 comedy classic. Well, in my opinion, <laughs> City Slickers. But before we do that, we got five fun facts for you. Are you ready for them, Aaron? I'm ready for them. You're really going to like this first one. Okay. You're really going to like it. I promise you, because you love the guy, you're going to like it. Phil was originally supposed to be played by Rick Moranis. Really? Yeah. But his wife got diagnosed with cancer. So he left the project. So it's fun and it's sad at the same time, but it was fun because Rick Moranis was going to be Phil. And I would have loved to see that. Even though I love Daniel Stern as Phil, but Rick Moranis. <laughs> I mean, you can't beat Rick Moranis as Phil. No, that would have been that would have been great. I'm that was a, that was a good fun fact because 
I'm a huge Rick Moranis fan. Uh, been a fan of his. I would say I became a Rick Moranis fan with Ghostbusters, as a lot yeah. of people did. But I'll, it carries over from Ghostbusters. I like him in Parenthood. I like him in Little Giants. Um, I liked him in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I loved him in the whole series of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Blew Up the Kid, uh, Shrunk Ourselves. Uh, just I'm a Rick Moranis fan, and I would have. I can't wait, Brandon, until the day that he graces us on screen again. So that's just that's that's facts. Him and Michael J. Fox, those are my guys right there. I like to see him again. You'll you'll be seeing him soon, hopefully. He's supposed to come back for the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids sequel series on Disney Plus. So okay. I don't have big of a role you have, but it'd be good to see him. All right, fun fact number two. This is kind of funny for me because we both, I think, like Charles Bronson, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we like him. Uh, it's just funny. He got mad. He was even asked to be Curly in this movie. What do he you think about that? He got angry over it. <laughs> now I just don't understand why he would get angry over playing Curly, but but also I have a theory. Okay, I have a theory. I'm, I'm ready to hear it. I think he's like Steven Seagal. He takes himself too serious. You know, uh, I don't think he ever did a comedy. I, maybe he did earlier in his day, but when he got famous, he didn't do comedy. <laughs> I think it was just he, t- he he saw this as a, a comedy, maybe a little spoof on the Western genre. I was angry about it because he, you know, he started in the Westerns. So, you know, this is just yeah. a theory. He took himself a little bit too seriously. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Tight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was it was interesting. Um, This was uh, also number three, Jake Gyllenhaal's acting debut. Really? You didn't notice it? Was. Him? Yeah, I noticed him. Uh, I didn't realize it was his acting debut. You know, it's funny in watching the movie. You know, I've seen this movie Lord knows how many times. I never thought that that was Jake Gyllenhaal until, like, until in watching it again, like, here this week. I was like, that's Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, how did I miss this? That was Jake Gyllenhaal. I, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't. Of course, I didn't notice it then because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> I didn't even know Danielle Harris was in this movie. She has one oh, scene. Whoa, 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 whoa. She's in the classroom with him. Was she? Yeah. I missed that. Yeah. Sad. Sadness, Aaron. Sadness. Yeah. She was in the classroom with him. When, I, uh, I totally missed Billy that. Would, I hate that. I missed that. I guess it was parent day or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember that. Call that day. Uh, I forget what they called it, but yeah, she was there too. Okay, fun fact number four: Bruno Kirby was allergic to horses, so he had to have an injection every day of shooting when he was getting on a horse. That is a uh, it's <laughs> not fun for him. God rest his soul. But uh, yeah, it was. It is a fun fact. I did not know that he was allergic to horses. Uh, it would be hard to th- thing to do is be allergic to horses and then do a movie where you are interacting with horses like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Last one. Daniel Stern bought his own cattle ranch after filming city slickers. <laughs> I can see that. If anybody does it, Daniel Stern, 
Daniel Stern has a, uh, another soft place in my, my heart. Uh, my introduction to him, as many people's introduction to him was, is in Home Alone. That was for me. That was my introduction to him. It might not be for you, but Home Alone was my introduction to him. And uh, he's just one of those guys that uh, I like over the years, and I've never ceased from liking. So, Yeah, Home Alone was definitely number one. Actually, you know, I think it was Home Alone 2. Because classic me, I always watch the sequel before the original. <laughs> For whatever reason. Yeah, I think it was Home Alone 2 for me. I know, I'm weird. I do things backwards, Aaron. Wait, everybody knows. Reverse. Reverse. <laughs> Put yeah. it in reverse, Terry. All right. Um, I don't know if you so get that reference. Top five fun facts about city slickers. There's some good fun facts. Uh, now we're going to go ahead and talk about the movie. If I can just lay my phone down. I lay it on my lap. It's, it's doing fine right there. But, uh, City Slickers, let me go ahead and get you with the synopsis of this movie. I'm going to take my synopsis this time around from IMDb, as I usually do, because I like their synopsis. Uh, On the verge of turning 40, an unhappy Manhattan yuppie is roped into joining his two friends on a cattle drive in the Southwest. This was directed by Ron Underwood and the writers of Lowell Gans. Babalu Mandel stars Billy Crystal, Jack Palance, D- uh, Daniel Stern, and uh, Bruno. Uh, let me get his name. I'm sorry, you just said it. Bruno Kirby, uh, and some more people. Some more people. This came out in 1991. Brandon, hit us with the numbers. All right, the numbers of this, <laughs> and I won't do that again. <laughs> It got a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Four out of five like this on Empire. Not the show. Not the show. 85% like this on Google. And the Rotten Tomato scores of this, um, 90% on the tomato meter. So it's fresh. And the audience scores a little bit down. Shocking. 64%. So that's your scores. I'm upset about the audience score there. (laughs) I am too. I thought that the audience was... uh would be a little higher. It's crazy uh, watching this movie. Uh, and it's funny because I've, I've seen this movie in 91 back when I was 11 years old. So uh, it's, it's funny to look at it and think about, like, I looked at it as like, oh, these adults are having fun. But now in watching it as an adult, uh, I'm like in Billy Crystal's shoes or, you know, in Daniel Stern's shoes or, you know, you kind of feel what the characters feel because you yeah. have had life experiences that kind of yeah. drive you to like. So it's to, for me, it was like looking at the movie new for the first time, but from a different perspective. And it's yeah. funny how movies can do that. Like from the time you smile to the, the time you're a, an adult, a movie can just change the way that you see it and perceive it and and experience it. Your thoughts? I agree. I also got uh, like wild hogs uh, feel to it, like how they are, uh, which of course wild hogs would have, you know, kind of copied this, <laughs> but, but still I, I felt that, you know, but yeah, I, I, I totally related to uh, Billy Crystal. He wasn't, uh, I don't want to say he wasn't, he just, he, he was lost, you know, he, where he was at in his life. He was just kind of lost. It wasn't focused. I could really relate to it, you know, a few years ago, but 
Oh man, I felt this was the the this is my Billy Crystal movie. This is the one I always remember Billy Crystal in. Uh, I know it um, was the movie he did with Meg Ryan. Man, when Harry met Sally. Yeah, when Harry met Sally. I, I almost I went sleepless in Seattle, but that's not them. That's <laughs> Tom. That's Tom. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think most people see. That, that's the most iconic Billy Crystal movie, but for me, it was always City Slickers. Uh, I don't know why. It just it just always stuck with me through life. When I think of Billy, I think of City Slickers. Uh, but I I love him in this. I love Daniel Stern. You know, he's in uh, a a verbally abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I you know it just it's Daniel Stern. I mean, that's just him. Yeah. I, I would expect nothing less from a Daniel Stern character. We're gonna we're gonna get into that first. Uh, let me say, um, just uh, based off of what you were saying, uh, my favorite Billy Crystal movie is actually has always been. Oh, like I love this one. This is like up there, but it, it'd be my giant. That movie is just such a su- such a sweet movie, uh, and he did it in honor of Andre the Giant because Andre was his friend, and I was a huge Andre the Giant fan, and so that movie kind of sticks uh stands out for me but um yeah let's get to it real quick so um mitch robbins i assume he creates jingles is that your assumption yeah yeah that was pretty much my assumption he creates jingles (laughs) yeah so he creates jingles he's in essentially a job that he doesn't love anymore um he's in a marriage that is okay but it's not the greatest marriage it could be it seems like they had a good relationship but he just he just in a muh type of state uh the movie st- though starts with him running with the bulls in pamplona yeah which um I, I honestly forgot about that opening i forgot about that is as that is the beginning but uh it was a good beginning um it just kind of shows these friends I always get together like once a year to uh, do some uh, extravagant, adventurous type of vacations. But it, it seems like Billy or, or uh, Mitch, his, his the character doesn't really feel a thrill of it anymore. It's like he's he just in a stagnant place in his life. Is that what what came up yeah. for you? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, he's he just he feels stuck, you know. In everything, it's it's not really. I don't think it's the marriage. I don't think it's really the job. It's just in life. He just feels stuck, and he doesn't really know what to do about it. You know, uh, I, I you know, I can never think of his name. I, mean, I know it's Bruno Kirby, but I never. I don't remember his character's name. Uh, Ed, I, I want to say. Let me see. Uh, Ed, Ed Farilla. Yeah, he felt like he was kind of the leader. That kind of, you know, they they did whatever he said. But he's not the main character. <laughs> yeah, he's not. You know who he, he who he put me in the mind of. I love I loved his voice, man, in this movie. But I kept picturing Joe Pesci. Uh, I kept picturing yeah. him every time he spoke. I keep picturing Joe Pesci, and they've been in the mo- a movie together. There's in the super uh, together. Um, but uh, yeah, so but he was one of my favorite characters in it. Fun fact for you, Ed. Uh, uh, 
um, Bruno did not return be, uh, yeah. for the sequel because he wanted them to change the script. And instead of changing the script and pleasing him, they decided to go ahead and write him out and bring in John Lovitz, which we could argue whether or not those were the best or the worst. We will talk about it next week, I guess, with the that. Yeah, uh, it's been a while since I've seen that one. I liked it when I really when I originally saw it, but it you know it does not hold up to the original. Uh, I'm not saying it's because of John Lovitz. I think there's a lot of mistakes, but we'll get into that next week. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it. But uh, but we we know that. So that's where um, Mitch is. Mitch is just in a stagnant place. It's not because of his marriage or anything. He just he dreads feeling older, getting older. Yeah. Uh, that just seems like the thing that he really fears in life is becoming older. Uh, he's almost forty. He's thirty nine in this movie. Then you have uh, Daniel Stern's character. Uh, his name was Phil. Yeah, uh, he works at the grocery store, uh, and he's in a love loveless marriage. Uh, he's uh, married to a, a lady who he feels the need to constantly uh, fake being asleep instead of interacting with her, uh, which is which is pretty hilarious that he does this quite often, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets in trouble. You want to tell them how he gets in trouble and also who he got in trouble with. Did you catch that? I I, I, I know who she is, but I don't know who she is. So when I get to it, you can tell me all about I know what movie she's in, but I don't know who she is. Oh, <laughs> essentially. oh I got uh, you. But yeah, I got they're you. at like a, a dinner party. Uh, I think it's Mitch's birthday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and him and his wife are kind of getting into it. She's wanting to leave. He's like, Mitch hasn't even opened up his gifts yet. And shockingly, this girl <laughs> shows up. She's 20. But she looks like she's 15 or 15. But she shows up. She's a cashier at the grocery store. And um, she thinks she's pregnant. <laughs> and the wife's like, why is she telling you? <laughs> He's like, no. I'm, his boss. No. I'm her boss. Yeah, I'm our boss. He says, "Did you sleep?" I don't. I remember. I don't remember the exact quote, but uh, you know, it, it all hell broke loose right there because uh, they think he's the father of this baby. Uh, as far as the girl, though, I know her from another movie, a Stephen King film, um, Maximum Overdrive, but I don't really know who she is. So okay, I'm gonna have to. Her. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna tell you. So all right. Um, I know her also in a movie called uh, uh, The Legend of Billie Jean, also starring Helen Slater, who's in this movie as well. Uh, she played like uh, uh, Billie Jean's like friend in that movie. Uh, but most people will recognize her voice as the voice of Lisa Simpson. That's Yardley Smith. Oh. She's just the voice of Lisa Simpson on The Simpsons. Done it for years. When I hear her talk, I can't help but to hear Lisa Simpson. So Lisa Simpson essentially got pregnant in this movie. <laughs> think about it. I don't Maybe know. you don't want to think about it. I don't know where to go with that. Uh, we're talking about Lisa Simpson getting pregnant now on the Mark Out Movie Podcast. Oh, my. <laughs> What's next, man? But, but uh, no, uh, that's who, that's who she, Yardley Smith uh, does the voice of Lisa Simpson. And so 
I kind of marked out when I when she came on screen because I recognized her and I totally forgot she was in this movie. I was like, oh, that's, just, that's Lisa Simpson. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, people most likely would know her from Maximum Overdrive. I knew her initially from The Legend of Billie Jean, but she's the uh, she's the uh, cashier that uh, got it on with Phil in a parked car. Parked uh, car. They made a scene at at, uh, at the <laughs> made a scene at this birthday party. It was so terrible and cringy. Oh my goodness! But uh, yeah, so he got. Huh? I mean, if someone got somebody pregnant at a grocery store in a car, I can see it happening at a birthday party. I mean, <laughs> it all breaks loose at a birthday party. I can see it. Where else? Where else would it not break loose? But anyway, uh, so that happens, and then we get over to Ed's character. Ed is just a womanizer. It seems like he's just a ladies' man. It's, that's what I got from him. He's a ladies' man, adventurous. Uh, but he doesn't want to commit uh, because he has a fear of commitment because his parents went through a messy divorce because his father was, a, we found out later that his father was a guy that cheated on his mother uh, and um, and he just kind of held that against him, but also fell into that type of uh, lifestyle. That's where mm -hmm. I got from his character. Yeah, as he said in the movie, uh, it was the best and worst day of his life when his father left. So, uh, yeah, it's sad. I mean, then you see him grow up to kind of be like his father. Um, but you always hear that. You grow up to be your, your parents. <laughs> you always hear that. But uh, I, um, I I liked Ed. He just didn't stand out to me uh, as much as Phil or Mitch. Uh for whatever reason. I mean, I like him. Um, I'm sad that he's not in the sequel. <laughs> I don't know the reasons. Uh, I told uh, you the reasons. That was the reason. Well, I know, but I don't know what he wanted to change. What about his character did he want to change? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what, what I don't know. I, I don't have that answer. I don't know. But I missed him in the sequel. Um, and that's probably my issue. We're going to get to it next week, but that's probably my issue with the sequel is I was like, who is this guy? Because John Lovitz was there. I'm like, as a kid, imagine seeing this as a kid, a teenager. This is why it don't work. work. I'm going to tell uh -huh. you now, this why it don't work. This is why it don't work. Mitch had a birthday party. His brother was not there. <laughs> John Lovitz is supposed to be the brother, right? That's what I got from uh, the synopsis mm -hmm. of it. Uh, but he wasn't yeah. at his birthday party. But maybe they... It's been years since I've seen it. Maybe it they explain why he's not been in Mitch's life or something. And I don't uh, even think they even mentioned they had a brother in the first one. Like, I honestly I like don't. It. Yeah, so it's like the way it, the way it came across to me, uh, and I, we ain't even got into the movie yet, but the way it came across to me is that Mitch, Ed, and Phil has been lifelong friends since they yeah. were kids. Uh, and they never mentioned uh, Mitch's snotty-nosed little brother or anything like that. They just always mentioned themselves. So I always felt like that's all they really had is one another. Um, and there's no mention in whatsoever of a brother. So I just it just doesn't it didn't work. Now, if they would have said that it was uh, his brother in law or something like that, then that would have been more acceptable, I guess, or uh, something like that. But, you know, but anyway, that's next week's. But um, so they decide essentially to go to this cattle drive. Um, and 
uh, when they get there, Helen, Helen Slade is there as Bonnie. Uh, there is uh, the Ben and Jerry type of dudes. Uh, yeah. I love and, David Bamer. I love David Bamer. Yeah. And uh, that's the dude that's from uh, um, – what did he – he uh, He's in a lot – he was in a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, <laughs> Nose Bart. Nose Bart. Yeah. 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 And he was also in uh, um, the Suburban Command. No, he wasn't. But he was in another movie that's very similar. I forget what it is, but he's a father. And he's been beaten down, but he becomes like uh, he toughens up. Uh, he's a really good character actor. Um, yeah. Really good character actor. He always plays the little dweebish or the uh, the little henchman of the villainous guy or he does play sometimes the sensitive character that grows a pair to just a really good um we we blanked out there him and then yeah, his yeah. brother uh uh Barry Barry Shalowitz Josh Mustel uh he was in a lot of films as well then we have Bill for Billy Madison yep Bill Henderson was Ben Jessup. Uh, and then uh, also Phil Lewis was Steve Jessup. Phil Lewis, y'all might know him mainly from The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Uh, he was in that, he was in that show. Uh, he was, he's was he been in a lot of other things as well. He was in Heathers. Uh, but, yeah, it was really cool just to see those guys in the movie. And uh, But the main event of the movie, in my opinion, Brandon, is the late great Jack Valance? Jack Valance. I'm sorry. Uh, he uh, he was in this movie. He was a he played he he's always played that cowboy yeah. and and tough guy. And I'm glad that he was in this movie because yeah, he makes sense as Curly. I, I honestly can't see no one else as Curly. Yeah, I mean he is Curly. Uh, when I think of Jack. I've seen him in a lot of movies as a villain. I mean, he's the villain in Tango and Cash, Young Guns. Uh, but Curly stands out to me. He was in Compton Robertson's with Chevy Chase. I mean, I love the guy. Uh, he's missed today in Hollywood. Uh, his presence. I, I love. Uh, he always had a presence on film, and uh, he made me smile. He. I love Curly though. Uh, watching it this time though. Cause I didn't think it, it, it like he wasn't in it a whole lot, you know. He's kind of just the second act, really. If you really think about it, just in the second act. Yeah, you know, you know what? But yeah, he had a big yeah. presence throughout the film. You 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 think he's in it the whole time, but really, like, I didn't really realize that he was only in it for a short amount of time. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, I was actually I looked at the time. Uh, spoilers, if y'all haven't seen this, then come on, guys. But anyway, um, so I looked at the time at the moment in which he dies in the movie and was yeah. like, uh, we still got a lot of movie left. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't realize that it happened so early. I always figured that it happened a little later in it. Yeah, uh, I thought it happened like near the last 20 minutes of the movie. Like so, uh, um, maybe in my mind, I thought he survived to a lot longer in the film. Uh, you know, I just I just maybe it's in my mind because his pre like you said, that's the only that's the best way that you put it, man. 
It was his presence. His presence was his presence continued through the rest of the movie, even with him not being there. Yeah. Uh, it just, it just like he was a rugged. He was a good, a, a good cowboy. He was, he was a good cowboy. Uh, like he helped get these two uh, big farmhands off of uh, uh, Helen Hunt, not Helen Hunt, Helen uh, Slater. Slater. Yeah. yeah uh, not and no relation to Christian Slater. You'll think so, but no, they're not related. Anyway, they were in the same movie together too. I know that's random, but anyway, but. Uh, You'll think that yeah, he gets them off of him. Uh, he just was a he was a scary, scary type of guy. But um, he was really, really gentle, and like especially when him and Phil, uh, not Phil, Mitch uh, goes off and have to do the side mission together, uh, and learn. And he and Mitch stopped looking at Curly as. Hey, uh, just an ominous undertaker type of mysterious guy, and started looking at him as a human being, and uh, and it just was a. It was my favorite part of the movie is just their relationship together. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, that it, it was it was always funny because I, I when I because Mitch is scared of him. He, you know, he's he's intimidated by Curly, and he's talking about him. He's walking up to me behind him. Everyone's starting to notice it. He's behind me, isn't he? <laughs> it's, I, I always, always find that scene funny, even though you see it countless times in films. But in this film, particularly, it just—it was almost like rewatching it for the very first time. Uh, it, it brings, it brought a smile to my face. I laughed throughout the whole movie. Uh, it, it, it's timeless. If this, I'm not saying this means as much to me as like a Back to the Future or anything. But it's up there for me, and uh, it was a it was a timeless cowboy western comedy, and um, I had it I had a ball. But I really do I do agree with you. Their relationship kind of takes over the whole movie. Essentially, uh, they bond in just a matter of days, and Curly teaches him the, that one thing. What's that one thing, Aaron? That one thing is. I don't know. <laughs> There's only one thing that matters in life, Aaron. Yeah, the one thing. Yeah, because the one thing is different for everybody. Everybody else. The one thing different. for me is different from the one thing for you. That's why I, said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but it was just, it was a brilliant little sign and a great little. Things that actually now for me to carry on in my life, that one thing, find that yeah. one thing that that sticks out to you. Um, and I just like the um, like so uh, Mitch, when he first got there, he has a problem with not taking anything serious. He doesn't take uh, he didn't take his running with the bulls and Papillon serious. He didn't take his trouble at work serious. He didn't take uh, his uh, issues uh, with his friends. Here. You know, crack jokes and stuff like that about um, about his, uh, you know, everything happening with Phil. But and even when he got to uh, the um, the cattle ranch and stuff and was going on the cattle drive, he's trying to make coffee, create a stampede, kind of damaged a lot of stuff, you know, yeah. uh, and 
he just didn't take things serious. Not until uh, Curly pulled him to the side and made him start taking things serious, made him start looking at things from a different perspective. And Phil becomes that cowboy that he wanted, he needed to be. Um, and so he actually surpassed, uh, not Phil, I'm sorry, Mitch. He And he actually surpasses Phil and Ed, you know, in yeah. their in being that guy. And uh and one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when we meet Norman. Hello. We meet Norman, Norman the cow, or the cattle, yeah. the calf rather. Um uh, that uh that scene always <laughs> that scene had me cracking up for several reasons. One, uh uh Mitch is so outside of his comfort zone in doing this. Uh, he has to deliver uh, this this calf. Uh, he takes off his gloves and stuff, and he has his watch on. But he puts his hands in, and then he pulls out like all the all the uh, moisture on his hand. He's like, <laughs> he says, "This wasn't on the brochure." <laughs> yeah, and it flung off. You know, <laughs> just it flung off. Yeah, it's just uh, great. That's great physical comedy. Like, like people don't even think about that as physical comedy. They think physical comedy is just falling down, pratfalls, things like that. Physical comedy is how you use your body to convey humor. He used yeah. it by pulling his hand out in that motion with just that just right amount of uh, gooiness on it was hilarious. It's like this wasn't on the brochure, and he said it was such a straight face. It's like. Like, you know, what did y'all get me into type of thing? I loved it, man. Uh, I loved it. That is a great scene, though. Uh, has tremendous heart as as well as comedy. I mean, it's it's hilarious. His expressions alone when he's going inside. I don't want to talk about it. But he's going inside her. The 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 the, the cow. <laughs> and he's, he says, Do you, I think Carly says, do you feel the head? I, I feel legs, <laughs> you know, and um, it's like, pull it out. It's like, I don't want to, I mean, it's just, um, it was a great scene. And it was, it was, it had heart, it had a lot of comedy and, you know, and he finally pulls the cow out, the calf out. And it's, it's a, such a sweet, tender moment. And then Curly shoots the cow, the mama cow. She was yeah, suffering. She, she was Billy, suffering. Well, Mitch was like, what'd you do that for? But yeah, you had that sweet, tender moment. Then you you get that scene where he had to kill because she was suffering. But the, the thing about it is, too, is out of mercy that he yeah, had it, was out of mercy. Yeah, it wasn't like like you see, that's just that's just opposed with later on with the villainous dudes that is a part of the crew. Uh, what they were trying to do it to the cow. I um, love that scene. versus versus what. You sick man. Uh, no, but, I, I, what happened with Phil? How he just stood up. We, we're, gonna, just, we're gonna get there. We, we get there. We get there. We get there. We get there. All right, real quick, because so he, so a lot has happened, but um, so that's when Phil, not Phil, but uh, that's when Mitch and that's when Curly solidified their relationship a lot more, mm -hmm. and it became closer. And he actually put a, a hand on. Mitch's uh, uh, 
shoulders and said, uh, "You did, good job, cowboy," or something like that. Just kind of made him feel like, you know. And he also told him somewhere the best feeling, the best thing, the best feeling in the in life is uh, driving in a herd. Uh, and that leads to later on, but yeah, yeah. it's just that that time between Curly and Mitch was was like the heart of the movie. It was more yeah. hard, but that was to me like the core of the movie. And that moment that Curly, so Curly uh, goes and dies, uh, but it's just like he quietly dies, uh, and it just, it's like uh, it just a lot of lot of the soul of the film left when Curly's character died, in my opinion. It's not that it was bad or negative. It's just, you know, he, he's missed. His character was missed. Yeah. Like you said, Jack Palance uh, is missed in real life. So, Yeah, he was missed. I mean, greatly missed. But It did slow things down, but and that would be my gripe. If I had any gripes towards the movie, is that you killed Curly when you really didn't have to. Or maybe you did. Because it, it it changed Mitch's perspective towards life and everything. He changed him. He was that one thing he needed, you know. Because he didn't. He was so lost. Curly uh, found him <laughs> and set him straight, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I, I, he was missed. It was a. It was a. I mean, it was a sad moment. But I love the when they they buried him and they're like, someone should say something. <laughs> Yeah, really. Like, no one's like, eh, I don't know what to say. So Billy Mitch ends up giving a eulogy about him. And it, it was just that was touching and, and funny at the same time because no one knew what to say. Right. Because <laughs> they didn't know him, and Mitch knew him the best, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Who who knew that Mitch would end up knowing him the best? Uh, but yeah. So after he dies, they try to keep going, um, and. Uh, I think somewhere in the midst of there, that's when we get to the scene where we said we was going to talk about the uh, drunk cowboys mm -hmm. uh, harassing uh, the calf, um, Norman, yeah. and uh, and putting a, trying to put a gun, which you could not. If this was does this hold up, it wouldn't hold up because there is several things that doesn't hold up about this movie. One, the overuse of landline telephones. Like the fact that there's landline telephones in this movie automatically dates this movie. <laughs> the fact that there's cassette tapes used in this movie dates this movie. Uh, I never realized how much 91 was still like 88, 89, because it felt like 88, 89 watching this movie. Um, but it just, it those dates the movie. But then also, you cannot put a gun in the mouth or the head or in the face of a animal on screen like that these days. You can't do that. That is a no-no. No, you, you, you can't. People will go completely ballistic. I mean, they do it with dog movies as it is. You put a dog in a certain situation, they go crazy. You put a gun in its mouth, huh? you got lawsuits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you can't do that. You can't and also, uh, the one of the drunk cowboys calls uh, uh, Mitch the F word, but derogatory term towards things that we shouldn't say. You can't do that. You cannot 
This is not a doesn't hold up. I just want to point that out that you can't do that. But it does go to a, a moment that you mentioned, and that is the all right. So Phil's character in this whole movie is he takes crap from everyone. Everyone. He's been bullied. He's been stepped on. He doesn't really want to work for his stepfather's grocery store. He was forced to work for the stepfather's grocery store. His wife forces him to do whatever she wants him to do. Uh, he just is a punching bag and been bullied. What happens? I'm going to let you tell the story. What happens with Phil? I, Phil just, he kind of snaps. He's like, that is it. <laughs> he just, he gets up, he gets off in their faces and he's just going off. And, and, and you know, uh, Ed and uh, Mitch are like, well, what's going on? <laughs> what's he doing? Don't. <laughs> and somehow he gets the gun, right? Yeah, he gets the gun. He's pointing it. And it's just, I could relate to him so much in that moment when you just have had enough. And you don't get who's in your way. You just. You're saying what you need to say. And it, it may not even be about them. And I don't even think it was about them, really. I think it was, it was more towards his wife. It's more towards his <laughs> wife. It's more towards and his wife. Yeah, his wife. It really wasn't about what they were doing to the calf. It was, he just had enough. He said, he said, he says, I've lost my wife. I've lost my, my, my kids are taken away from me. This, this, this. He said, yeah. and I got a rash from making in the wood and making in the bushes, and, you know. And, uh, and so, but, you know, it's a moment where you're like, way to go, Phil. But then you like feel so bad for Phil because even when uh, uh, Mitch and Ed goes to him and say, "Hey, man, you got to you get a chance to do a redo or a do over," uh, he's like, "How how much of a do over can it be for me if my wife is left me and I don't get to see my kids and I'm losing everything and I don't, I'm homeless essentially? How much of a do over is it for me?" And he's in such a bad state, but you can tell the camaraderie that they have as friends because the, at that moment, it wasn't important for anything else but for them to comfort their friend, to be there for uh, Phil. And I agree with you. Phil was was uh, outside of Mitch. He was uh, one of my favorite characters in the movie because uh, um, Dan deeper place and he's a comedian he's a comedic yeah. actor but he's yeah. also a dramatic actor and the guy had to go to a he had a layer of darkness behind that 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 uh delivery uh and and like you said that fed upness i'm i'm fed up i'm sick of everything it's not about the calf it's not about these two cowboys they just happen to be the embodiment of my pain and stress and frustration and you just happen to be in the line of fire yeah <laughs> right now and so it was like you i wouldn't have messed with him at all he was like he's he had it up to here but i just thought that daniel stern was underrated in his mm -hmm. his portrayal in this movie yeah you know overall i think daniel stern's over he's underrated um uh, he doesn't get to. He never got the credit he deserved uh, during his heyday. I mean, especially in the nineties. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying every movie he did was, you know, worthy of five stars or anything, or his performances were all that. But he was a very good, as you said, comedic actor, 
and dramatic actor, and he could balance both at the same time very well. And a lot of people can't do that. Not both. They can do one or the other, but it's hard to do both. And I think it's a it's a rare talent that that can. Um, uh, but yeah, he's yeah, you're right. He's a very underrated character in this movie. Um, but this I felt this was really about Mitch, but even though I think it was all about all three, they needed something out of this adventure, out of this little va vacation, you know, because obviously Mitch didn't know if his marriage was going to work, uh, you know, and, and that that kind of crossed my eyes a little bit when in the beginning, I'm not meaning to go back, but when she said, we'll go to Florida by ourselves, I'm not telling you it's okay for you to go. I'm saying, I don't want you there. I was like, uh Oh, marriage problems. When did this happen? <laughs> you know, I guess she picked up on it too, that he just was so lost. And so that was his story arc. He, he needed to find himself. And here's uh, one thing. And, uh, and we, and we find that out like, but before we get there, we, we find out what is one thing is at the end of the movie, but like, all of them had a story arc. Uh, Phil's yeah. story, Phil's character arc, was to stand up to the bullies. Yeah, and he stood up to the bullies. Uh, uh, the uh, story arc for Ed was to uh, yeah, cutting in and out a little bit. It looked kind of cool though. Uh, Didn't look cool for a second. <laughs> uh, but Ed's story arc was to. Uh, be the uh, I don't know, man. We back in the eighties, baby. Streamyard, get it together, Streamyard. All right, um, but at least it's not going out on you. Right, that's, that's right. Oh, zoom up and gone. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah. So Ed's Ed's story, uh, story arc was for him to not leave because yeah. he says that he always had a problem to run away from his problems, type of thing, like his father. But instead, he decided to stay and continue doing the cattle cattle drive, and get and see everybody else was like, "Dang the cattle, let's leave them and go back." And so and all those cows important. would have died. Yeah, that was an important part of the movie as well that he stayed. Out of all of them, you would have thought Mitch would have stayed because Curly always told him how important it was. But Mitch was like, "No, I'm going," and and Ed was like, "I'm staying." And Phil stayed with him. And of course, they knew nothing <laughs> about cattle and how to leave it back home. It's like it's like herding like a bunch of children. Uh, yeah. But uh, but then uh, com coming up over the range, we see our champion Mitch with Curly's yeah. hat. Um, he comes in and uh, helps drive the cattle, and just the rest of the movie is just them talking on the cattle drive. Phil's trying to find out how to process, uh, set up the VCR. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes, how old this movie is, guys. They're trying to set up a VCR. Uh, but anyway, um, but it just, then it, we get to that, the uh, climactic part of the movie with the storm and them crossing the river and Norm and Mitch almost drowning and then the other two, Phil and Ed, saving them. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then we get back to, I guess they make it to Colorado, where they need to detect the uh, cattle, and everybody is there, which I didn't know how everybody got there, but it, okay. 
uh, I guess as I work walking in the direction. Also, I don't even realize when the the uh, dentist when did they leave? I totally forgot that they left early. Yeah, they left early on uh, before Curly died. You know why they left? Yeah, I don't, I I, 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 I it was, out on that. wasn't that important to the story. It was just like, okay, we got to write y'all out. <laughs> and I know what you're going to say. They're no. black. Oh, you ain't going to say they, they wrote them out because they were black. No, 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 Brandon, you did it. Thank you. <laughs> Racist? Well, all right, no. Uh, no, <laughs> I said, I was going to say that they wrote them out because the, that, like all those other, other characters, honestly, was insignificant. It was about Mitch, Ed, and Phil. Those were the characters yeah. that the movie's about. It really wasn't about the side characters and their little side uh, story arcs. Uh, and they did get a story arc because he's like, hey, "Well, me and my dad can do it," you know. And they're like, "Well, there's no need because we're gonna we're gonna sell these cattle cattle off for the uh, for meat." Uh, and uh, and you know, as a kid, I didn't notice. I didn't think about it. Yeah, it didn't dawn on me, but as an adult, I looked at it I'm like, oh, it's terrible. I was you like, you know, that's the look on their face. Like, we did all that so you just could kill them. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is like they're gonna die anyway. You know, if we leave them, they die. If we bring them home, they die. But it, it was that was a sad, tender moment to know that you know you helped <laughs> bring them to their death. But but also it's it, but also it's a state of the world at that yeah. time. So those type of things like cattle drives and stuff like that, like well, tourist cattle drives and stuff, seemed like it was going out of business. Like there was yeah. no profitable thing. So they they have to find profit somehow, and the way they find profit is now selling the cattle for livestock uh, for uh, meat. So uh, unfortunately, that's where. It, took uh but you know but th they got attached to the cattle especially mitch and he got attached to norman and that kind of leads us to the end of the movie uh because uh mitch says to them it's all about that one thing uh finding that one thing and then they said well what is that and then they do like a hard cut to his children saying dad and you know, and he's hugging him, and then his wife comes, and you know, and uh, Phil ends up with Helen Slater. So hey, good luck, good luck there. That didn't really make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't spend time together at all. But so okay, I was, like, I was like, okay, but I don't buy <laughs> it. But, but okay, that was just the writer tacking on something at the end. Like, let's give him a happy ending. And that's yeah. uh, almost a happy ending. Then for uh, uh, for uh, Ed, he's going to start a family. Uh, he's going to try to start a family because uh, he's afraid of becoming a father, taking responsibility for another life. And so that was his story arc is by taking responsibility for the life of these cattle. It helps him to start being ready to take responsibility for another life. So, um, But, yeah, Phil found his smile. Not Phil, but uh, Mitch found. I keep wanting to call him Phil. Mitch found his smile and uh, became uh, the husband that his wife desired him to be again, the father that his kids desired him to be. And he says he's not going to quit his job. He's going to do his job better. He's going to do everything better. 
and uh, they get a they got a pet cow named Norman. Yeah, and that was a which it would work in real life. I forgot about it, uh, but I like yeah, I could see it. They bonded. I mean, he helped. You know, he helped him. You know, deliver him, and uh, it, it was it was a sweet moment. Of course. You know, as far as the rest of the family go, they got it. You can't be serious. <laughs> I actually think that's what the wife said, uh, but uh, um, don't quote me on it. But yeah, it was a. It's a it's a Hollywood ending movie type thing. There, uh, I don't think anybody in their own mind would want to take a cow home as a pet. If you you know if you don't own a ranch or anything. Yeah, but I think for I think for Mitch though, uh, he would he couldn't see he. he he, what he had to go through to have that that Norman be born, he couldn't yeah. dare see Norman go off and be slaughtered. Um, and so he has an uh, he has an attachment to that specific cow. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, the overall, the movie was an, a fun adventure. Actually, I really enjoyed um, Billy Crystal in it. Uh, he usually plays that type of character in his movies, like the guy that's down and out, burnt out on something, and yeah. finds something that kind of restores him. That's kind of that was his niche in the nineties, uh, eighties, and nineties in his, especially his solo films. Uh, but uh, but but in this movie, I thought that uh, although it was about him, and he was great. Daniel Stern shined, and then Ed didn't shine as much. Uh, uh, Bruno didn't shine as much. God rest his soul. But he did a good job. He was very memorable, and he is one of my favorite people in the movie as well. I thought the movie by itself was just a really well-crafted bit of 90s, man. A bit of yeah. It's, it's a good uh, comedic Western. I don't know if that's a category, but I would call it uh, comedic. It's like it's a Western, but it's not. It's a com. It's not actually yeah. comedy, but it's a comedic. It's a western, but it's a comedic western. I don't know if you if if you call them. The, I don't know if that's a real thing. It's a for me. It's it's like one of those uh, rare breeds, <laughs> if you will. Dusty Rhodes here. <laughs> I know it, but we're having fun here. <laughs> but uh. It, it, it's just one of those rare breeds, cowboy western comedies, uh, you know that you you don't see anymore. Uh, you didn't see much back then either. Um, really, I mean, it, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with this movie. And you talk about Billy Crystal standing out. He did. Daniel Stern stands out. Um, Bruno Kirby stands out a little bit. But Kirby, man, he's the one that stole it for me. I mean, Jack Palance. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Palance? Palance, yeah. Uh, Jack Palance. Um, but he's Jack, the one that really stood out for me. Yeah. You know what? And um, the thing about Jack, um, I think, honestly, uh, this, in my opinion, like Jack has a long history in films. He was in Tango and Cash. He was in, uh, he was in several, several, his filmography stretches back to the, I'll say, uh, 50s. He was one of those Hollywood actors. Like, have you ever seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Would uh, he was almost like Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Rick like Dalton. a guy that was 
and he came in lanes as the Yul Brenners, as the uh, uh, Charles Bronsons, as the uh, Clint Eastwood later on in life. You know, he, he was that type of guy. And but honestly, in my opinion, City Slickers is his definitive role. It is his definitive role. Like when I think of Jack yeah, Dallas, I think Curly. I mean, Curly, yeah. I said Kirby for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, you kept, yeah, you kept, you kept talking about I thought you were talking about Bruno Kirby for a minute, but yeah, Curly. What happened? <laughs> I'm having so much fun. I don't know. I, I'm getting the names confused. But, uh, yeah, I'm here. Did I leave? You froze for a minute there, buddy. I'm not used to freezing. <laughs> yeah, usually it's me freezing. You freezing. No. But, uh, but yeah. I agree with you. Kirby is Curly. He's seen Kirby. Oh man, but Curly is his definite uh, role, uh, defining role. Um, he, when I think City Slickers. I think of Curly. <laughs> you know, um, of that when I when I actually picked this movie, I thought of City Slickers. I was like, oh, Kirby. I mean, Curly. I can't. Oh my god. I don't know, guys. Just say palette. I think of Jack. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> My goodness. This is what happens when you go live on the Mark Out Movie Podcast for the first time. It's like the first episode all over again. <laughs> it really is, guys. Like, it's just, this is experimental. It's uh, all day, all, all out. But uh, anyway, no, uh, Curly. 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 So, Jack. <laughs> Curly Palance is uh, the best part of the movie. Uh, and uh, for him to be gone so early in the movie was the only letdown. But to me, I'm ready to give you my marks. For me, that wasn't enough to detour my score. I loved, you know, so so I give it, I'm going to give this movie five markouts out of five. I think that it is a classic movie. Um, it's one of Billy Crystal's best. Is one of Daniel Stern's best, and I didn't realize it at the time watching this as a kid, but it is truly one of Daniel Stern's best movies uh, that he was in, and um, and his character. That's why I, that's why I was okay with part two, because at least we got Daniel back. That was what I was thinking. I wish that we had everyone, but at least we yeah. got Daniel, and I was okay with that. Well, yeah, I agree. It's it gets a five mark out for me too. Uh, it didn't deter anything. Um, I, I mean, I have some gripes about it. It's not a hundred percent perfect movie, but I'm smiling throughout the whole movie. I'm laughing throughout the whole movie, even when Curly dies. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, there's still more to be had with these characters. There's still some growth for these characters. So he played he 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 played his part well. He had a purpose in this movie even after death. So I, I take no points away. My only real criticism to this movie is the Helen Slater character with Phil. I I just don't see it. I, I, she had she started talking to uh, Mitch first, and he's like, "I'm married." <laughs> it just it was just you know I, it it seemed like she connected with him more than she connected with oh. Phil. I would know? say that, yeah, uh, but I would say that once she saw him stand up to the guys at the end of the movie, like towards that yeah. little part. Yeah, yeah, him standing that, up. That, that probably saved 
uh, you know, cleared it up for a new light. Right. Yeah. Um, but but the thing is, it still came out of left field because you didn't really see them interact with one another. Also, I would say this, and it's not to say anything badly, but I think that the movie was a little bloated with characters that was non-significant. Um, I, you know, like I, I don't really, I didn't really find a lot of significance with the campfire, the the cook. He was an insignificant character. Uh, the cattle hands, they was only there to be antagonists. Um, yeah. uh, then uh, the dentist and his son, it was, it was a little subplot of him. Not, I don't know what that little subplot is. I guess he doesn't really want to follow his father's footsteps or do what was his father does. Yeah. But I felt like he's of uh. I felt like it was a waste of a character, you know. So yeah. maybe they developed that a little bit more. I would have been more prone to like those characters a little bit more. So I feel like it could be a little bloated. Helen, uh, Helen Slater, I love her, but she just was bloated as well. She wasn't. There's no real reason for her to be there except for uh, that conflict at the very beginning. Yeah, and then feels uh, the end for Phil. That was her. That's the whole reason for her character being there. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't disagree at all. Um, but I actually forgot about the cook. <laughs> you know, that's you know that's how insignificant they were. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> but <laughs> but I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, but I did want to ask you one question before we close this out. Um, comedies today. How come you say they're dated? You know, these films that were made in the nineties or late eighties. How come we enjoy them more, though? That's a good question. Uh, Because even though they're dated, like, they're dated when it comes to, like, technology and some things that they could get away with. Um, But we enjoy them more because we grew up in that era that allowed us to enjoy them more. But we cringe a little bit now because we're like, ooh, because we live in a now post-PG world. You know, we live in a world... Where, uh, but we we like in wrestling, we experienced the attitude era, but now we experience we also experienced uh PG era of WWE, so we know what it's like on both sides. I know I'm all over the place, it's the ADHD, but uh, but let me let me dial it back in. So, I love that. It was just that when you mentioned the PG era, I was like, Ooh. yes, exactly. But but the thing is, the, the, but the reason why we enjoy these a little bit more. Versus like movie move like they could like this type of movie could have came out like this year, but it would be drastically different from what we originally had. Like there yeah, wouldn't be you wouldn't you couldn't get away with that stuff. You couldn't get away with killing the cattle at the end. They would have just did somewhere Phil, not Phil, I keep wanting to call him Phil. That's my problem. You say Kirby <laughs> Kirby, uh Mitch. We would have had a scene where Mitch would have let the cattle go. Yeah. Wouldn't he have done that? Like, if we made this movie today? But realistically, you can't. This movie is realistic in that sense of you can't let them go. They're not your yeah. property. That You cannot do that. Um, but um, we they wouldn't get away with this stuff t- today. But I love that we was able to get away with it then. I, I, you know, they for me, they hold up in that sense of 
Those yeah. are that's real comedy. And it's not sugar-coated comedy that pulls punches. Yeah. I think also, I think re, I agree with you, by the way. <laughs> but I also think there's another reason that we enjoy uh, that era more than we do today. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying there's not any good comedies today. There, there, There is some good ones and there's some really bad ones. Uh, I think it's star power. You don't have the stars as you did then. And I think that goes with every genre in film. Uh, you just you don't have the filmmakers either. You have some good ones, but you don't really you think Billy Crystal, Daniel Stern, Bruno Kirby, Jack Palance, 1990 uh, or 91. Uh, man, you, you want to go see that, right? I mean, you live in that era. You want to go see that movie. Well, uh, Billy Crystal's name alone on the um, on the map. Yeah, Billy Crystal alone gets you there. He was a huge star back then. I mean, huge. And uh, Daniel Stern was just coming off Home Alone, so people had eyes on him. <laughs> yeah, post Home Alone, post Home Alone, pre Bushwhacked. It's like yeah. it was like that little stage of uh, Daniel Stern's career. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, go ahead though. So. Uh, Today, I would say maybe it's maybe it's Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, uh, that'll be interesting. I have, I have questions for you about a sequel, but uh, anyway, go ahead. But maybe he would be the he, maybe he would play Mitch today. Uh, maybe Channing Tatum or Jonah Hill or you know somebody like that um, would play Mitch. I can see Jonah really in that role. Well, it's what I would see. It's what I would like to do. This is what I like. This is what I like to see happen. All right, because we, because we, we're next week. Uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, Sage Slinkers Two: The Quest for Curly's Goat. Um, and that one, it it uh it leaves us with a cliffhanger as setting up for a sequel. I don't know if you remember that or not. Uh, but it does. But uh, obviously it didn't happen because Jack died. Um. And I don't know how much it was going to happen because I don't think two did as well as one. Obviously, um, two did really well. It almost made two hundred million. Oh, did two? Did really? On the first one, the first one almost made two hundred million, and that's back in ninety one. So that's that's really good. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know what the second one made. I doubt it did as well. You know, but I don't. I don't know the reason. Uh, I, I would have enjoyed seeing the third film. I mean. I, 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 looking back, I enjoyed City Slickers too. I just, I didn't like it as much as this one. This is what, this is my point though. Like, I would love to see a City Slickers 3, but I would love to see it with now an older Mitch. And he, and he's trying to get his son to loosen up. So he decides to take his son on a cattle run. And his son is actually Jake Gyllenhaal returning. That'll be interesting. And then uh, uh obviously we don't have curly, but maybe we no, can you get, maybe but we you can bring back a, Daniel Stern. You can bring back Daniel Stern. Uh you could uh you uh maybe uh maybe another person can come come along. Maybe uh maybe Bruno's uh, Ed did have a child, the child he had was a daughter, and now the daughter's coming along. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's too too bloated. But but you can have somebody that comes to find out is Curly's lost son that now owns the 
ranch or does the run. And maybe that person could be outcast, outcast yeah. Liam Neeson. Because I, I, I would love to see Clint Eastwood in the role, but I don't think Clint would be able to do it. Uh, I love against Clint though. <laughs> don't go against Clint. I love Clint. I'm a I'm a huge but Clint he is fan. Like nine, so I, I do see your point. But I think, but I think Liam. I think Liam could do it. I think Josh Brolin would pull it off well. Uh, as a as like the son of Curly, you know what I'm saying? I think that yeah. he would actually be really good. Actually, um, but yeah, I think that it. I would love to see this movie, but with Jake Gyllenhaal and starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Billy Crystal uh, and Daniel Stern come returning, and then you can cast somebody else. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe, but then maybe it'd be, it'd be different is because the person that's Curly's son isn't as advanced as Curly. So maybe the guy doesn't know everything like Curly does. So maybe he's kind of aloof. And so it's more of Phil, not Phil, keep doing it. Mitch teaching him what it's like to be on the cattle run as well. I don't know. Now I'm just spinning, but what, what's yeah. your thoughts? I mean, I like the idea of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal coming back and playing his son again. And they go on a little adventure for the, with the cattle to get his hit straight. I like that idea. Uh, I really think it's the only way you can go if you're going to do a sequel. I think if not, it would get remade, which I'm shocked City Slickers has not been remade. <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, wait, give it some time. Maybe after this oh, podcast, yeah. people will be like, oh, City Slickers is buzzing. Let's, let's grab it up. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'd be up for a sequel with, with your idea. Uh, I don't know if you bring back anybody from Curly, his family. I don't think he had anybody. He, you know, he let his that brother. woman go. Yeah, his, his brother, brother maybe. His brother, his brother maybe. His brother was played by him. So yeah, but maybe he had a kid. Uh, his brother, <laughs> but Curly himself, he he never got with anyone. He said that in talking to Billy, Mitch. Uh, he the woman he loved, he let her go. And, you know, that, that was it for him as far as relationships go. I think that was it for him for, for relationships, period. I think it really tore his soul up, you know. And made him a, a very deep character. Made him very bitter. Made him a very yeah. bitter old man, a private, uh, isolated man. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it would be great to see. Uh, and maybe – I don't know. Maybe it's it, we'll see. We'll see. Like we're gonna do it, but I would love to see. I love to see it. Uh, I think that it would. Another guy though. Huh? Maybe maybe talk Rick Moranis into a role. Maybe now that trio. I would love to see Rick. Uh, you know, with Billy. Oh my God. That, that who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Yeah. But uh. Yeah, then you throw I, Daniel's turn. So. Yeah, like Daniel, like I love to see older Phil, older Mitch. Unfortunately, Ed has passed away. Uh, Bruno Kirby died of uh, cancer, and so unfortunately he wouldn't be able to return. Unfortunately, Curly wouldn't be able to return. But I would love to see. Uh, I would love to see even some of the other ones, man, uh, show back up. Like. Uh, 
Maybe the uh, the Shallower Brothers. <laughs> well, is Josh still living? Josh Mostel? Uh, yeah, he's still living. I think so. He's still he's still around. Uh, I'm not sure about David though. Uh, he could just be retired, but I haven't seen him in anything. I'm looking it up now. I be- yeah, he's still he's still around too. Uh, he hadn't he hasn't acted, but I think that would be great idea to have that if they had to remake it enough for people who podcast remake the movie, then I can see them remaking it, but Adam Sandler remaking it and Adam being Mitch. That's the only way that will work if Adam is Mitch and uh I don't trust Sandler with the Western <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Sandler might go too silly. The thing about City well, is, City thing about City Slickers is it never was too silly. It actually, it was a Western, but had comedy like place, like sprinkles on top yeah. of it. That, But it wasn't like, but if, if you felt like you're still watching the Western the whole time, but with elements of comedy sprinkled in it. Whereas with Adam Sandler, if Adam was to get it, Adam would actually take it and Comedy it all up. Like, let's yeah. put comedy in this, stuff it with comedy, and it will be uh, that that six movie, wherever he had on Netflix. It just. Yeah, it would be something like yeah. that. And then, that was not a good movie. I, mean, I, no. I support Adam Sandler. You, I mean, I, I do. <laughs> I support him and everything he does. But that was not a good movie, uh, sadly. Yeah. But I think that I think that if he was, but if if anybody was to remake this movie, I could see him doing it, or I could see Ben Stiller. He'll probably take it a little bit more serious. I know you don't yeah. like Ben. I know you don't like it. I know you don't like Ben as much. But Ben is no replacement for Billy. Let me go ahead and say that Ben is not Billy. Ben is but not Billy. But huh? be. he would play Mitch. No he doubt about Mitch. it. He'll play Mitch. Yeah, but I don't. I can't think of someone that would be the feel to his Mitch that would that would work. Uh, Owen Wilson, maybe that would be the only one that I can think of. I can even see. Uh, I can see Will, Dana Will, Carvey, Will Smith, not Will Smith, but uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell would work as as a feel. David he, Spade, maybe too. David Spade, but if it's David, I want to see Adam. That's the thing. You gotta. You gotta cast them right. You don't want to see Ben. You don't want to see Ben with David. <laughs> you gotta put nah, them. You gotta put people together. Which one? I think who I would love to see, and that and maybe have Sandler play Ed. I know that's kind of a stretch. The, the Playboy type character. Have Jim Carrey actually play Mitch, more serious. You know, yeah, I, I can't. I honestly can't see this together. Like, together. I, think, I think the world would explode if these two, two, if these two dudes was in a movie together like that. And maybe throw in Will Smith as Phil. Let him yeah. be really silly with it, because Will could be silly. Yeah, you know. But but uh, Will Will would have to be the Will would be Mitch. Honestly, listen. Yeah, he, Will, he Smith, Will Smith is in a movie. He's the main. If Will, yeah. if you put Will Adam, you put Will Adam and Ben or whoever else, even Jim, if you put them all in a movie together, Will's name is gonna go number one on the Malar. His name will be the top bill. Yeah, would I be mean, Will Smith movie. 
I guess he's had more blockbusters than anybody, but I, I wouldn't. For me, I would put Jim above him. But you can't. No. I, I know it wouldn't work. I mean, the movie wouldn't work at all. They would try to up one each other. It wouldn't. It wouldn't work. And that's the, that's probably why they've never done a movie together. Is they why they have. Is the same thing with Arnold and Sly. The reason they didn't work together back in the day, they wanted to be the main guy. But it anyway, never together. I know people like this has been going on for so long. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and kill this. Uh, we thank you all for listening. Tell them what we got next week. Well, I mean, you've already mentioned it several times, but we got City Slickers too. Uh, part two. Yeah. Which, you know, I got this movie confused with two because I thought at the end he showed up as the brother. But I guess he shows up in the very beginning of part two as the brother, as the twin brother. But yeah. I thought it was at the very end of the first one. Because so I was like expecting it. And it's like, it didn't happen. It's like, wait, what happened? Where's he at? It's like, we- well, maybe he's got to be in part two. I mean, it's got to be at the very opening scene in part two or something. I think. That's what I actually did too. Most of the time, not with that though. I did it with. That's why I thought that he was in the movie longer because I kept fusing two with one. Because yeah. like, like, like they all like that. Yeah, uh, I hope you all enjoyed our ranting and raving about City Slickers from 1991. Next week, we're planning on doing City Slickers two: Quest for Curly's Gold. After that, Brandon is going to hit you with a little bit of maybe summer of 1984 by himself. And then next, the week after that, hopefully we'll have Mick Strong, uh, who is a um, special effects uh, genius. It was on, uh, did Nightmare on M Street. Uh, three and four. A little bit of three and four. Uh, more four. He's also did Candyman. He has also did one of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. I mean, you name it. There's so many other things. And Critters 2. That's big for me. Big for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so uh, we look forward to talking to him. I'm going to mark out with that one. (laughs) We're going to have fun marking out. But, But yeah, hey, I'm Aaron Whitlow. I'm Brandon Spivey. What are we, Brandon? We are the Mockout Movie Podcasters. Oh, yes. (laughs) Thanks for watching.